We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in to another episode of The Pod is the Roof. As always, I am your co-host, Jacob Karabatsis, joined by my wonderful co-host, Riley Davis. And if you don't know by now, we are the Field of 68's very own UNC basketball podcast. Now, if you follow college hoops in the slightest, you know that last week was absolute insanity. It was feast week. You know, you you focus on NFL and football during these times, but you see those tournament fields, man, and uh, it's hard not to get intrigued by college basketball, even if you aren't a diehard fan like you and I are. But we learned a lot about a lot of teams, I feel like. These were some loaded, loaded tournament fields. Very, very exciting. I thought it was a good week for UNC hoops as well. I thought we learned a lot about them. We're going to dive into it. But first, Riley... How was your Thanksgiving, man? It was good. It was good. Um, we were with my family, and in recent years, my wife and I, we alternate which family gets Christmas, which one gets Thanksgiving. This year, my family gets Thanksgiving, and my mom's response to that has basically been to like cook steak instead of turkey the years that they don't get Christmas. So um, it's not like a I ho- – hopefully that doesn't sound passive-aggressive toward her or anything. It's it's not like that at all. It's just that she's like, well, if, I'm, if we don't get Christmas, we're going to cook what – like a, a a Christmas type feast. So we had steak over than th- rather than turkey was great. Watched a lot of basketball. By the end of it, I was kind of needed a little break, need a little palate cleanser here and there. Uh watched a little bit of watched some football, of course. Um, watched some Ted Lasso. I'm a little behind on the lasso Ted Lasso trend. I'm have like two episodes left, but that's my little palate cleanser. Um, mixed feelings about Ted Lasso. Really funny at times, really bad writing and acting. At other times if anybody wants to discuss further hit me up in the comments i but, can agree with that um yeah yeah but how about you man how was yours hey man listen first off you know ted lasso what a guy you know it's he's a he's an icon love the show but they, it, it definitely has its ups and downs moments but uh mm-hmm. it still forever sticks with me when when my man just ties and then he's like so confused about what's going on he's like oh <laughs> i forgot y'all do draws here <laughs> so funny but all right um it was a good thanksgiving man you know 
anytime that we can get the nice deep, we deep fry our turkey. I don't know what, mm. what other people's preference are, but we got the deep fryer. We go get the oil, man. It's it's truly different. It has a nice juicy succulent flavor to it. Wonderful. Always got to have some elite mac and cheese on Thanksgiving as well. Um, yeah, it's it's a time. And then, you know, the best thing about Thanksgiving is that you eat your plate with the fam. You're watching sports beforehand. You go watch sports afterwards. And then, you know, you're, you're watching TV, whatever game you're watching. And you're like, I'm hungry again. You never have to worry about there being a shortage of food. You just head mm-hmm. straight to mm-hmm. straight to the kitchen. There's extra food. I'm a big pumpkin dessert guy, so I was slapping on some pumpkin pie and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it was it was a great time, man. Always man, good to see the fam. Deep fried turkey sounds elite. Have never had it. Very interested to try it. I know it's a. a enormous fire hazard so i'm glad that the carabatsis survived another thanksgiving hey listen <laughs> listen man it's it's just one of those things where we have we have to set up like we go it's a way it's a little away from the house it's like on the drive mm-hmm. it's like in the middle of the driveway nice pavement it's just it's, it's just been a my dad loves doing it man he gets out there at like 9 a.m starts starts cooking that thing up, making sure the oil is getting heated up to like 330 degrees and then you're dropping it in there. But it's a, uh, it's great. And I, I just want to throw this out there before we get into hoops. Um, If you eat ham over Turkey on Thanksgiving, you're a weirdo. I like ham, I like, but Turkey clears. I agree. I think Turkey is slept on. It's un, I know I said that we had steak over Turkey, uh, I prefer steak to turkey, but I still think a good roasted turkey, Thanksgiving turkey, as long as you do it right, it's good. Don't let people tell you it's not, especially you mix it with some gravy, some cranberry sauce. That's really tough to beat. Yeah, it is. It's, turkey is it's unfairly nuts. criticized. But. It's so unfairly criticized. The <laughs> only bad thing you can say about turkey is the trip to fan makes you tired. All right, mm-hmm. who cares? I'll get full off turkey and go take a nap. All right, so <laughs> what a week. For UNC, man, I think this was a the lit. This was kind of the litmus test for us to kind of gauge what this team really is, and they showed a lot for a lot of different reasons. Um, so let's just go ahead and start with that first game against Northern Iowa. I mean, you and I messaging each other during that first game, it was brutal. He started Trimble, which was an interesting change. Same thing that he did with Paxson brings Cadeau in four minutes into the game. As soon as Cadeau comes in, it goes from UNC down 10 2 to like a 14 to 12 game. So, like, you know, then Cadeau was getting cooked a little bit on defense. I can't lie. He was kind of getting blown by. Northern Iowa was hitting everything. UNC shot like 33% in the first half, and Northern Iowa 60%. That's kind of when I knew they were that UNC was going to win the game handily because when you get outshot by 30% and you're only down six, probably a good sign. And then the second half happened and they won 56 to 28. So like, what was your biggest takeaway from that first game? Man. Yeah. That, that first game, I was a little bit on edge. I'm like, there's no way this team is this unmotivated or it, it, it wasn't even that I, I, at least watching it, there are times like throughout the first half, I, I didn't think it was like a lack of effort. Um, I just thought they missed a bunch of open shots. I think I was more so frustrated. Like, how are they not mentally prepared to make these shots? You know, um, not to criticize the players too much or be, you know, I, I would assume they would 
acknowledge as much as well. It was a bit, was a bit stressful to watch. Um, but yeah, it was good to see them sort of busted open in the second half and outscore Northern Iowa by 28. And I think it really speaks to the defensive potential of this team that we have seen now against UC Riverside, against you and I, and then for stretches in the Arkansas game too, uh, where Carolina has been able to turn off the water on some teams. And yeah. as we've discussed really since the preseason, this we don't expect this to be an elite defensive team, but they're 27th in Kempom right now. They are they are significantly better than I expected. I know you said Cadeau struggled some against Northern Iowa. I thought for the rest of the week, he's been really solid on defense. Mm-hmm. And Arkansas went at him repeatedly. He, they went at RJ to start, and he held. they both held their own. Um, like, I've been really impressed by the different ways that Carolina has mixed up some of the ball screen coverages, the ways that they've been opportunistic, looking to create turnovers. Um and, and even the way that like they've mixed in some full court press, haven't been afraid to to go to that as well. Um, I, I think Hubert and the staff has done a good job at masking the the height disadvantage and masking the fact that there's not really that athletic presence on the wing. Um, again, I, I I still think there's ultimately a cap on how good the defense can be, but you got to be pleased when Villanova scores just over a point per possession against you. And then a day later, they couldn't miss against Villanova or excuse me. They couldn't miss against Memphis. Um, and then Arkansas, I mean, what did they shoot? Uh, they shot. They, they were, they were Tremont Mark away from being one of 11 from three. So Arkansas too was, they were just at a point per possession. Like th- that's pretty good numbers against power five competition. You'll take that. Especially like Tremont Mark's a phenomenal player. Like it's kind of the same thing with with uh, Dixon. Like they lost because two good players had two sensational shooting days. Like that's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. They obviously beat Arkansas and survived the Tremont Mark one because they absolutely engulfed the rest of the Razorbacks roster. Like no one could do. Like the fact that they were able to do what they did to Trevin Brazil was kind mm-hmm. of insane to me. I'm not going to lie. Um, but look, Villanova is obviously a very good basketball team. So now that I look back on it, when we foul, we got as many fouls called on us as we did. Listen, I don't care if you're a UNC fan or not. They fouled Ingram out on an absolutely egregious flop that was bad that was terrible that was really then they're bad. they're really still controlling the game and I, I mean i'm i'm kind of in the camp that they might win that if Cadeau doesn't foul out um mm-hmm. but obviously once he fouled out it was tough they still only lose by two but just to go back to one thing on the northern iowa game i want to know what cormac ryan did at halftime because the first half of that game I literally texted you verbatim, I'm out on Cormac. Because this dude was smoking wide-open layups. He missed two wide-open threes. He had some boneheaded turnovers. I don't know what was going on. And then he comes out in the second half, and he's just lacing everything. And then, you know, to be honest, he was doing the – a lot of the same in the Villanova game. And he was great he against hurt. Villanova. Yeah, he was <laughs> yeah, awesome he, against Villanova too. Dude, I mean, so I don't know if MJ like slid down to the Atlantis and hit him with some of that secret stuff, but <laughs> it, it was it was great to see. I mean, yeah, I just – the Villanova loss, because of the circumstances, I'm not really that upset about it. Like if mm-hmm. they can come out here and win at least one against Tennessee, UConn, Kentucky – 
I'm feeling good. Getting out of there five and one was huge. But I mean, I just I I want to to get your your take on this because to me, this is my biggest takeaway from this week. I, I mean, I just don't see how I could say anyone besides Harrison Ingram is the best player on this team at in terms of all around basketball. I'm just about there with you. I, I still think yeah, like it, it feels weird to say because I know Armando had a bad tournament. You know, he, he had I don't think he, he scored ten points against Northern Iowa and then it was eight against Villanova, nine against Arkansas, and he he missed some bunnies. Um against Villanova again, like you don't want to blame it on the refs. There were some times that the he I thought he got whacked at the rim. They didn't call anything, didn't attempt to free throw that game. Um but yeah, I don't know what it was. I, I I thought maybe that early foul trouble uh, got to him early against Villanova. He got called for a ticky tack one. I think his second one, he pretty clearly fouled Dixon on his. Uh, Dixon had a little reverse layup on him, um, and it seemed like after that he just wasn't able to get right. At least he contributed on the glass, but in some ways it's like it's really good to see Carolina take Villanova to overtime and get a close to a blowout win over Arkansas, who I still think is a tournament team, who I still think will be in the mix for the SEC title two or three months from now when Musselman gets the rotations right. Uh, to be able to do that without Mondo at the peak of his game in the second game without Cormac at all was really good. But, yeah, I, I thought Ingram – I mean, he's the best wing that UNC has had since Cam Johnson pretty easily. I feel oh, confident in saying that. It's not close, I, and I just – it's the way that they use him. First off, the shooting uptick is like nuts. And part of it is he is getting very good looks because of how they're using him. And if he's kind of like that guy that once he hits two, it seems like everyone he shoots is going to go in. And mm -hmm. I'm, I love that. Like when he takes heat checks, I'm all for it, but that's what I like. And I would like to say this, that Hubert, should probably just let you and I coach because the lineup against Arkansas was close <laughs> to the lineup that we've been wanting. Obviously, Cormac's hurt, so it was Withers mm -hmm. instead of Cormac. But that lineup, it looks so good together. And if you put Cormac in, it's a disaster because that Cormac runs and he runs and he runs. And the way that they run pin downs for him off ball and like he's just cons like he honestly obviously he's not as good as Steph Curry but he plays a similar style to where he just doesn't stop moving mm -hmm. and then you have two ball handlers like RJ and Cadeau then you have a guy like Ingram who is shooting it very well and on top of that he's such a big physical body like there's not a wing in the ACC that he can't get downhill on so mm -hmm. I, I mean I just I do want to echo what you say about Armando, though, because at the end of the day, that can all be true. This team only goes as far as Armando Baycott takes them. Mm -hmm. So, How I mean, scale of one to ten, we just watched him average nine and nine on thirty-seven percent in the in Atlantis. What's what's your what's your level of concern? Scale of one to ten like a three, <laughs> like not, I, I wouldn't say it's very high just because we've seen Armando. Like we have two years now of him averaging a double, double he's in better shape than he was last year. I, I wonder if like, is he adjusting to playing skinnier? I don't know. He looks to be about the same size. He was his junior year when Carolina made the, the final four in the national title game. Um, 
but maybe there is an adjustment period. Like, I don't know if it's, I know he still works hard to get open and maybe sometimes UNC is still a little bit late at getting him an entry pass. Um, at the same time, I still think Armando is best as a, as a role man on, on ball screens and a garbage man who gets offensive rebounds and putbacks and then occasionally gets a couple post-ups, you know, he's not, he doesn't have like a post bag or anything. He sort of has his hook shot, his turnaround. Um, I think he's pretty good on the move. If you can find ways to get him moving, whether it's off a cross screen or something else, like uh, his sophomore year when Roy was still the coach and they ran, were running him out of a lot of the secondary sets, you saw like how mobile he can be. And there are times where he's going to take slower bigs off the bounce as well. And his handle isn't terrible for a big man. Um, so yeah, I, I think, you know, based on what we've seen throughout his career, I would bank on him getting right. And I, I think assuming he can get back to being that 15, 16, 17 point a game score, who's getting you 10 or 11 rebounds a game. I think this ceiling gets really high for the UNC team. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is almost here. And you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. They're good. This this week, this week was kind of like the okay. We didn't know how legit it was, but like, nah, they're good. the 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 biggest concern I have with Mondo is that Villanova game should have been a game that he feasts in. Eric Dixon yeah, plays the five. He's six eight. He scored what thirty five or whatever it was thirty four. Mm-hmm. He shouldn't have been on the court to do that because Armando should have had him in foul trouble. He's got four, three or four inches on him. He's bigger and he got shut down. That's where I'm concerned because if you're getting shut down by a six eight Eric Dixon, who's a great player, don't get me wrong. What's going to mm-hmm. happen when you do have to go up against Filipowski? When you do go up against Omir? Like it, I'm just worried about. Even the non-con, like if Kentucky gets their bigs back, then don't even get, you know, what's going to happen against Klingon? It's like we've seen Mondo struggle with other talented bigs in the past, and it's like, but that Villanova game is an environment that he'll typically feast in, and that did concern me a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, That's understandable. I, I mean, I don't want to just chalk it up to Atlantis, like ha- 
the like we've talked about the the Atlanta setting is just weird. You have three games in three days. You don't have it. You don't have much time to make adjustments. And you know, people could say the inverse. Like maybe Carolina looked really great over this three day stretch, and they could come back down to earth a little bit. I don't want to be naive and say that there's not a possibility of that happening. Uh, you know, I would just say for me personally, I think like you have a proven guy in RJ and even with any of these Armando concerns, we know what he can be. We know what he's been for the better part of two, two and a half years. Ingram, this wasn't the first time he's looked good. He's looked great all season. And this was really sort of, (laughs) it seemed like his coming out party as far as announcing to the world as he's, you know, hitting off the dribble threes against Villanova and talking mad smack as he's getting back on the court, like saying, I'm here. Y'all forgot. I was a McDonald's all American, like former five-star kid who was supposed to be one and done. I'm back. Like, uh, I think that's sustainable. Now, hopefully we see the role players continue to play well too. I, I like, I love Seth Trimble's game. I thought seeing him at those two corner threes, especially off those Ingram passes were just like a thing of beauty. Um, you know, hopefully Cadeau continues to, to improve and, um, even Paxson, you know, Paxson doesn't really show up on the stat sheet, but he was in there for Carolina's big run at the end of Arkansas. Like that's got to be encouraging for Hubert and the staff to see this guy played 20 minutes in relief of Cormac and UNC still got a 15 point win against a top 50 team. Yeah. Um, I do want to also like, we, you can tell Cormac was great. Ingram was great. RJ stepping up to be the guy with Cormac out. Fantastic. We expressed the struggles with Mondo a bit. But I also do, like, we talked about Cadeau. He was really good as well, especially after the kind of the first half of that Northern Iowa game. But I just – another takeaway I have from this week is that Trimble and Withers are permanently etched into the into the rotation, and there's just no changing that. Like, Withers is not a crazy box score guy, but, like, he did so much right, I felt like. And then against Northern Iowa, Trimble me... was was in, in the Villanova game. The bench shot three of eleven. Obviously, not what you want to see. But like Trimble doing what he did and stepping up in Cormac's absence against Arkansas was also very promising. Yeah, I love Trimble. I think Trimble needs twenty minutes a game. Whether it's at the two or the three, you find minutes for him. Um, it's still, I wonder like long-term what's his role going to be, especially if you start looking at next year's team with an Ian Jackson, Drake Powell coming in, who are going to be expected to get big minutes on the wing immediately. And I don't really think Seth is a point guard, um, regardless of whether or not RJ and Cadeau are back, who knows like what their futures will look like. Um, but I love his role for this team as like, just come in, play really good defense, be in the right spots. Like, Shoot threes, attack closeouts, dunk on people. Yes. Yep. Uh, like, please. <laughs> Withers, I will say he was great against Northern Iowa. Some of his passing out of the post, I did not realize he had that in his bag. My only gripes with him, like against Villanova and Arkansas, was just uh, missing layups. And again, I don't like piling on kid, like on the players or anything. I don't want this to ever, ever come across as overly negative toward them. Um, just want to have like a, a, a an unbiased evaluation to say, you know, when you're six nine, when you have that athleticism, you'd like to see just more efficient finishing at the rim because he he's able to get there. Um, whether it's 
you know, one, two dribbles attacking a closeout or just crashing the glass. Um, and he's got to come, he's got to come up with more efficiency at the rim. Cause I, I like him in the role that he's in again. I think he probably played about 17, 18 minutes a game during the Bahamas. And I think that's great for him. And he brings such good energy and his length can, his length alone, like no one on the team really, I mean, maybe Zayden has that type of length uh, combined with the athleticism like that alone can cause some havoc on the defense, but it's just still those those little things, some of the bad habits that we saw at Louisville. Uh, it's got to continue to clean that up and got to continue to, I guess, either be coached out of them or just executed better. Yeah, and I think I do agree with that. I think what I like about him so much is, like you said, the passing did not realize. Um, I like that he doesn't ever, he doesn't ever feel like he needs to get a shot up. Like he's yeah, not that... forcing shots, which I thought he might because of the mm-hmm. role he had at Louisville last year. But I also think the the counter to that is I think that might be why he's missing some open shots because he went from taking all those shots a game and kind of being the focal point of the offense to now it's like he's only getting four to five looks a game and they're typically good looks. And I think he'll get acclimated to it. Like I think by – the beginning of conference mm-hmm. play he will be um but I, it's just the the strength the athleticism he just offers like when you put him and ingram on the court at the same time it's like so much strength and length that mm-hmm. it's hard like it's gonna be and and the thing about it that's beautiful is if you really want to like if you're worried about Cadeau defensively you can so easily run rj Cadeau ingram withers baycott like it's such a feasible lineup and they did like they did it against Arkansas and it worked um so I like the versatility and I I do agree though like he he has to figure some things out um but I just I think the rotation is slowly but surely sorting itself out and becoming Mm -hmm. finite I just like unfortunately we're not going to see a whole lot of Zayden we're not going to see a whole lot of a Kunkwo and I'm really not sure how much Jalen we're gonna keep seeing by the time we mm-hmm. get to by the time we get to conference play. Uh it's gonna be interesting. He he was he's uh, been really good off the bench. Like I think he struggled against Eric Dixon. Like you could I, I will say, um as a whole, I thought Hubert was really good this tournament. This would be my yeah. final takeaway. And I know Tate mentioned this last week that a lot of the Carolina faithful thinks he has a lot to prove. And I, I think Hubert himself would realize that after that year, you know, you're trying to win back the fan base or, or at least part of the fan base. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, who knows what the split would be. But um, I, against Villanova, I know the – the angry Carolina fans are calling for more double teams on Eric Dixon. Whereas I like went back and watched the game. Villanova didn't play a lot of lineups with Mark. I'm with Mark Armstrong. They didn't play a lot of lineups with Hakeem Hart, like the two non-shooting threats. You could just leave. I thought they did a really nice job with their spacing with where the guys were on the court to where there wasn't necessarily a guy you wanted to leave. Like you didn't really want to leave like the weak side corner uh, to come double onto to double onto Dixon because he'd be able to find Trey Burton out there, TJ Bamba, who didn't shoot well that game, but Bamba I think is a career 35% shooter. Um, and and I, I see why HD was a little bit hesitant to maybe double and try to get enough stops straight up. Um, now I would have maybe liked to see a little zone mixed in, but at the same time, like 
I don't, I'm not overly critical of the the decisions, the, the, the defensive scheming there. And I, what I was going to say was, I think he realized pretty quickly that, you know, that, that game wasn't Washington's game. Washington really yeah. struggled when Eric Dixon was in. I think he only played four minutes that game. Um, it was good to see Jalen have a nice bounce back game against Arkansas and give some good minutes there. But yeah, he, he feels sort of more matchup dependent where it's like, you just got to, you got to sense like what's the body type of the five man. Is it someone who's six, eight, two fifty and can score all over the court? Like Eric Dixon. Cause if so, Washington, he's probably only going to get spot minutes, but yeah, I uh, think Jalen's like the guy that's going to have a couple games in conference play, maybe once every five or something like that, mm-hmm. where you're going to look at the box score and see he had like 14 or 15 points and like four or five rebounds. You're going to be like, oh my God. But I, I like, I think there's spots, like you said, where Jalen's going to be very beneficial to this team. But when you are playing the serious, competition especially in this in the non-con here I just think that Jalen's probably going to have to play a few minutes because you're going to have to play big against a couple of those teams but it should probably not be any more than like 10 to 12 because I'm very worried about what Tennessee might do in terms of getting switches and just the size I'm worried I'm really worried about what UConn would do um so it's it's gonna get interesting but yeah I mean overall like I I came away from this tournament you know thinking what I hoped I would be thinking after this tournament which is this Mm -hmm. is a legitimate team and I will be honest I think their ceiling is even higher than you and I both predicted I think they are a legitimately very good basketball team um and like Cadeau's only gonna get better Cormac is finally hitting stride, which he's hurt and it sucks, but like he should be peak when he comes back from injury. Um, Withers is going to come into his own. Ingram has arrived. I Paxton hopefully gets settled in. So I think this team actually has the potential to be really good. And right after this litmus test, you know, they, they get the ultimate one. Um, So what we thought was going to be three really hard games, turns out that this next five for UNC is brutal as hell. Um, Tennessee in the first ever ACC-SEC challenge. Um, Well, first of this generation. Maybe they did it back in like the 80s. (laughs) But um, Tennessee and North Carolina, that's going to be a doozy. Um, I will say I'm a little less... I'm a little less concerned. Tennessee is very, very, very Dalton Connect made. Um, When he stops hitting shots, that offense goes absolutely stagnant. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, after, obviously, Maui was an insane field, and Tennessee had to play in that. Um, But after watching UNC this week and watching Tennessee this week, does it kind of change your mind, make you feel a little more confident about UNC's chances? How does it make you feel? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I still think Tennessee's a really good team, and it'll by far be the best team UNC's played so far. Um, but they don't feel like this two-way juggernaut that they felt a, a week ago. Yes. And, you know, this could be a freezing cold takes if Tennessee comes in and punks us in the Dean Dome, which, you know, non-zero chance that happens. I'm not, I'm not that naive. <laughs> um, 
but I, I like UNC's chances to win. I think they've really found something. They're playing more connected on defense. They're pushing the pace on offense. It's working like RJ's liable to go off for 30 any given night. As Ingram showed us, Ingram hit four. I think he was four or five from three against Villanova. He could have had more over 20 uh, if he hadn't fouled out like on a really bad call and that really dumb technical that shouldn't have been called either. <laughs> um like we have guy, we have multiple guys who can go and get a bucket, and multiple guys who can get hot. So I, I, I think the Dean Dome atmosphere, especially after this week, is going to be buzzing too. Um, I will be in the building. I'll be tweeting from the pod as the roof account. Give us a follow. Oh, jealous. But, <laughs> so yeah, I like Carolina's chances to 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 get this win. And like you said, if Dalton connect, if you know you. you Ingram's probably going to give up some points because connects a better athlete and he's a really good shooter and can score in a bunch of different ways. But I mean, Ingram can be physical with him. He can get under, under his skin a little bit. Um, if Cormac is there, I'm assuming that Cormac's going to play since he tried to play on Friday. Like that's yeah. that I would say my prediction for UNC a win is contingent on Cormac playing, but it's, it's just shaping up to be one of those games. Like, um, like the ACC Big Ten Challenge, I think about in 2015 when Mark, Marcus Page's senior year, UNC was coming off of a loss in Ames at Northern Iowa when Marcus Page was hurt. Page came out, dropped 25 against Maryland, who was ranked in the top 10, had Mello Trimble, had Diamond Stone, and some other dudes who uh, were high five-star type kids. Uh, and UNC won by 10, and the, the the atmosphere was incredible. And it's those are the same type of vibes I'm getting here where it sort of announces to the world like, hey, UNC is back. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season. And we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners and the viewers on the field of 68, each and every week during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD. 1500 and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When cross the state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts. So download the BetMGM app today. Yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> when you look at the matchup, I, I completely agree. Like, I'll be honest, you know, a couple games into the year, this was a game that I had almost cir circled as like a certain L just because – UNC's kryptonite has been physical teams that play slow, ugly, nasty, sloppy defensive games. And that's what Tennessee does. But I, I think that what I've seen from our offense, we have enough to counter that this year. And I, I love Ingram on connect. I think the key here is to probably, you're going to have to play a lot of withers too, because you're probably going to need him to play a lot of defense on connect, especially if they're setting a lot of screens. 
But I think the other big piece is what Mellow Trimble is – or not, not Mellow Trimble. You uh, you made me start thinking about Maryland. I messed, uh, I messed you Maryland. up. Hey, is it I, I would, if, it, if it makes you feel any better, I was a Mellow Trimble truther. I thought he was going to be – I loved Mellow Trimble. In the league. But, I thought Mellow Trimble was awesome. I'm dude, with you on that. He, I was a truther. I, I was so hyped about him. I think it's just dude's name, Mellow. But, yeah, right. um, <laughs> but no, uh, Seth Trimble – what he's going to be able to do in terms of defending Ganey off the bench is going to be mm-hmm. massive. Um, them bringing Zakai off the bench has been interesting, I guess, because he's still finding his footing, but uh, he still looks like he's not 100%. The one thing I'm worried about, and you know exactly who I'm going to say, is Vescovy. I, can, I hate that dude. He absolutely is just, what was it? Was it two or three years? It was the final four year oh, that Vescovy absolutely ate, wasn't it? I forgot about that. Dude, I have the ghost of Vescovy, man. This dude, it's it's something about these freaking six foot four, six foot five dudes who can shoot that just light up. However, they did get through and break through the, the ghost of L. Ellis, and they kept him from hooping <laughs> in the Arkansas game. So uh <laughs> So maybe that maybe that's a trend, but I am very worried because the problem is Tennessee sucks at offense. Like they still do. We thought they were better. They got some really good offensive players, but as a unit, their offense still sucks. But if they're smart and they they hunt the mismatches, it's it could be it could be interesting. I think I genuinely think whoever gets to 65 first wins this game. That's mm-hmm. probably how I yeah, would look I'm at with it. you on that. Like I, I want to see if if UNC like well actually like Tennessee's been playing more up tempo games than I would have expected. They've most of their their last three games have all been over seventy possessions, which is like pretty much what right at what UNC's been. So I don't know if UNC can control the pace, push it. Like maybe Tennessee's not quite trying to grind as much as they used to. Like I think again that's going to favor Carolina. They've been really good in transition so far. And it's it's gonna be this is a this is the spot where Baycott needs to be that dude. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure is it I do or a do? I never know how to say that name. It's it's A do. A do, okay. Mm-hmm. He's like the lone, like actual big that's six eleven. I mean, if Baycott can actually be Baycott and get him in some early foul trouble, this game becomes ten times easier for UNC. Mm-hmm. And I that's why Baycott is just the biggest key to me. Like Dalton Connect is great offensively. Um, I genuinely don't think Tennessee has someone to def- that can really defend Harrison Ingram. I think he's too strong for Connect and he's too quick for the big guys on their team. Um, yeah. I think this is this has to be an Armando game. Like it, it just has to be. Yeah, that's well said. Uh, I think they, you know, are there's no reason why Armando shouldn't be able to get Adu into foul trouble. Um, I mean, he's bigger, he's older. Well, I know Adu's taller, but I think Armando's got more size. He's got size on him. Um, I mean, Adu in general, he's he's been a little bit foul prone throughout his career. Uh, he's cleaned it up a little bit this year, but yeah, his both his freshman and sophomore year is really prone to foul trouble um fouled out against Purdue and that was only last week so there's a history there you know I, I do worry a little bit 
that Adu is going to take it personally because he is a Durham kid. And I feel like Durham mm. guys from Raleigh, guys from Durham, guys from Charlotte, any like guys from North Carolina who don't go to North Carolina, don't get looks from North Carolina, which I actually think UNC did look at Jonas Adu. I don't know if they ever fully offered him, but he was definitely on their radar. But still, that's where I worry a little bit about about him taking it personally. And he's over five from three so far on the year. And there's a chance that like he's two for seven after this game or something, you know, and that 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 that's what kind of worries me. <laughs> yeah. And it's also like he he's their leading rebounder at seven and a half a game. Armando averages four four more rebounds than that. Like you, this should not be a game. Like this should basically what I'm saying is the only way UNC should win this game is if Tennessee does something that they don't typically do, which is hit a lot of shots because they yeah. should not beat you inside. They should not out rebound you. If they if Connect and Ganey and Ziegler and Vescovy hit a bunch of perimeter shots, that is how UNC loses. I don't think there's really another another avenue for it like and i will say i mean not that this is even remotely accurate but the espn bpi does have unc with the 56.6 percent chance to win which i can almost guarantee you before this week was probably 47 ish so i don't know i feel good about it um but before we get into four corners i i do want to kind of we're midway through the non-con and we obviously made our our non-con predictions well before the game started so people knew we weren't some frauds out here but um now that we have more data like i kind of prefaced this segment with these next five games are hell so tennessee Mm -hmm. is tough florida state just got an absolutely marquee win over what i think is an outstanding colorado team um that was a huge win for gastonia legend leonard hamilton um then UConn, nothing needs to be said there. That's brutal. Kentucky, who will pro, I would I would guess they have a big back by them. But even if they don't, dude, like with the way Rob and the way Reed Shepard and the like and DJ's done it, some literally the only disappointment on that team so far has been Edwards, which is kind of funny because he was like oh, this guy's going to be the number one pick, and he might be, like, the right. fourth best freshman on the team. But, um, yeah, so that's that's hell. And then you think Oklahoma in the great city of Charlotte in the Jumpman Invitational is going to be a cakewalk, and then they're like, nah, we're 6-0, and and we just beat Southern Cal. So they only really have one freebie for the next – for the last six non-cons, and it's Charleston Southern. Other than that, this could – go south fast <laughs> so what's your updated prediction i know we initially said like i think i said nine and three uh-huh i, I, I think that's I what i said say... too i'm st- i think i'm sticking with nine and three but like a more happy nine and three if that makes sense like a nine and three where we're like this team is unequivocally good not like a nine and three where Kentucky was underwhelming or something. Um, yeah, I think they go with with the. I think they beat Florida. Well, I guess Florida State technically a conference game. Um, but with the last, with the last like big three, I am looking at that right. Oh, excuse me, the last four like big non conference games. I think they go two and two. 
I'm going to say it's wins over Tennessee and Kentucky and losses to Connecticut and Oklahoma. I know Oklahoma, they shouldn't lose that game because it's in Charlotte, but Oklahoma's defense has just been so good so far this year, and that's, well, I guess. I don't, I don't know. know. Like it, the Oklahoma game feels like I'm going to watch Uzon go absolutely nuts. That's what I'm worried about. <laughs> yeah, Uzon is nasty. He's so good. Like I, I don't I, like I, that I Oklahoma agree. has. I I just don't like that Oklahoma is really good at defense, and they have John Hughley, who was on that Pitt team that blew out Carolina the oh, year God. we we made the Final Four. Like, listen, I don't like that they have a Pitt guy. <laughs> uh, all right, so if I'm not mistaken. Florida State and UNC played early, was it two years ago? And UNC won pretty favorably. I know they played early at some point in the last three, two years, four years. They played them in January, the final four year, and won by, I think they were literally up 50 at one point. Yeah. In the game. It, it, Maybe it was not 50. They were up like 40. <laughs> I feel decent about, like, if I was confidence ranking, Charleston Southern, obviously, I'm most confident. Florida State, I'm second most confident. Um, God almighty. I want to say Oklahoma, I'm third most, just because it's in Charlotte, and that's literally going to be a home game. So, you know, I'll rock with that. And then the game, there, I guess I'd put it like this. There's only one game on there that I have zero confidence in UNC winning, and that is UConn. Like, I just don't see us beating UConn this early in the season. That team yeah. is just they're now, terrifying. But I'll be completely honest, like there's certainly an avenue for six and one. There's certainly an avenue for three and three. So I mean, mm-hmm. or like not six and one, um five and one. I get there's certainly saying. an avenue for three and three. So it I just, you know, it looking at this now, like you said, it would be a joyous nine and three. At first, I thought nine and three would be a little upsetting, but now that we have more data, it'd be a joyous nine and three. And if they can go four and two in this last stretch, and just make sure that they don't, like I'd rather them lose to UConn and either Kentucky or Tennessee for resume purposes, because those are not yeah. going to look like bad losses. So if they can go four and two, man, get out of this nine and three. I will be feeling very, very good going into conference play. I'm so, feeling that. It's going to be interesting, man. Um, All right. It's time for the insert whoever wants to sponsor us four-corner segment of the, of the week. We do this every single episode. If you know, you know. And listen, I'm telling you, somebody wants to pick up a sponsorship, like – we're dropping DMs the segment every week. So the D the DMs <laughs> are open. Um all right. So since it was feast week, since it was such a big deal, we are going to give some general CBB takeaways here. We're gonna do the two teams that impressed us the most and the two teams that after this week we are most worried about. We'll alternate one and one. Riley, I will let you get the first pick here, sir. All right, sorry, I need to pull up my ballot, my top 25 ballot for this week, just to make sure I don't forget anything. Uh, teams that impressed me the most, man, there was a lot of teams that looked good. I'm going to go with Baylor, because Baylor was a team that I was low on coming into the year. I don't even think I had them ranked in my preseason ballot. They're 6-0, and and they 
got by a really tough Florida team in a game that was the final margin was like closer than it looked. Um, they only won by four, but they were up by 11 in the first half and kind of controlled most of the game until Florida made a push at the end. I, I just think they have – it's the, a typical Scott Drew team that has a bunch of guards that can beat you, including Jacoby Walter, who's one of the best freshmen in the country, mm-hmm. and Eve okay. Missy, who's who's another freshman, seven-footer, freak athlete, and already looks like he can defend. So, I mean, I'm just going to completely avoid saying the obvious, like Purdue here. I mean – that's kind of to yeah, be Purdue expected. Is Purdue is disgusting. They're, they're the best team in the nation right now. But this is going to be a funny one. I'm actually going to go from off this week. I'm going to go FAU because they lost, and everyone was kind of like, oh, God, we overrated them. It was a lucky run. And then they basically looked at the world and said, hold this. We're going to go beat Butler, Texas A&M, and Virginia Tech, all, you know, like final score, they weren't all convincing, but if you watch the game, they were all convincing. I thought FAU to show that wherewithal to bounce back like that and prove like, nah, listen, that shit was not a fluke. I like it. They impressed me. Yeah. I, FAU, I was actually between FAU and Baylor for which one I was going to say first. Fun fact, they jumped up from 37 to 21 on Kim Palm after beating oh Virginia Tech God. by 34. They beat then- the absolute. They had it's annihilated like, Virginia Tech. Well, the thing is, is like, dude, I mean, they beat Texas A&M by seven. Like, Texas A&M is a legit basketball team. Like, mm-hmm. Wade Taylor is as good as any guard in the country. So, I mean, that was that was a game that I'm sure most people thought they were probably going to get stomped after watching them lose. Um, but, nah, they that's a legit squad, man. Yeah, I agree with you. Um. My second pick for for team that impressed me the most, I'm going to go with Colorado State. I'm going to go with the Rams. You beat a Creighton team that many people were putting in the Final Four that have an All-American candidate and Trey Alexander and have another really good guard and Steven Ashworth and an incredible wing and Baylor Shireman. You go and absolutely dog walk them and hold them under 50 points. You got to get a shout. I'm I'm with that. Um, Yeah, they're – Dude, especially after watching Shireman and Kalkbrenner go for like 50 against Loyola, and then <laughs> you come out and just absolutely like they couldn't do anything. Like they mm-hmm. were absolutely they, they stalled them out. Like they it was bad. Like that was an absolute beatdown. Um speaking of absolute beatdowns, my most impressive team, second pick. Is BYU. Um, who could have been good? Dude, who could have? Uh, they're, I mean, are they the best team in the Mountain West? Like, they're Big, they're, they're big 12 now, Jacob. Oh, yeah, they are Big 12 now. That's right. Mm-hmm. God, they're definitely not the best team in the Big 12. Are they the best team in the Big 12? <laughs> but, 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 I think they could definitely, like, that they, they, I they look like a tournament team. I mean, they you beat San Diego State. That's impressive. That was a couple weeks ago. I mean, you know, you beat NC State, which I'm never going to complain about. Um, so that was great. You get into a fight with Arizona State, but you win the game. Um, they're just I don't think anyone thought BYU would be undefeated at this point of the season. So 
they Mark Pope is a really good offensive coach, and he has them defending too. Like his his track record from even at Utah Valley, what he did at Utah Valley and getting them to be like top 100, top 75 type offenses, uh, it's carried over into BYU. And yeah, the fact that he's got them a top 20 defense right now is really impressive. I got to say my favorite thing I think I saw on Twitter this weekend was uh, apparently there was some chicanery with the refs in NC State and BYU. And I saw some NC State account that was like, I hope we get to see BYU again in March. And someone quote tweeted it. It was like, yeah, NIT 4-5 game. <laughs> Listen, I mean, <laughs> being in the Big 12. But BYU honestly, will be in the tournament. Yeah, I guess it could all go south, but BYU should be a tournament. Team. I mean, if you look at the Big Twelve, like obviously it's brutal. Like last year, it was brutal, but this year, Houston is gonna is Houston and Kansas run it. I think everyone knows that. Texas is good. Baylor is really good. You look at that, and it's like I'm pretty sure five to like nine is pretty open. Like Oklahoma looks good, BYU looks good, Texas Tech ended up looking good after um losing in in overtime to Arkansas or no after getting stomped by Villanova um I was like I just don't think I don't think it's going to be as good as it was last year would be my point Mm -hmm. like I it's still going to be good it's the big 12 but I just don't think you know now BYU I think they get killed by Houston they get killed by Kansas they probably get killed by Baylor but I don't think they're going to get like stomped out by texas or anything like that so it's going to be interesting but um yeah now now we'll move on to the two negatives because there's a lot of those too yeah i'm going to stay in the big 12 and this is it's not like a sky is falling type of situation it's more so like i'm not mad i'm disappointed and that's iowa state um because you know they're really well coached under tj otzelberger he's done a tremendous job getting them to the tournament the last two years and wasting no time in a rebuild there but they just missed out on two like really good opportunities for neutral site victories for the resume against the virginia tech team that just lost by 30 to fau um and then tonight actually on the day that we're recording this on on sunday they had a they had a 21 point lead over texas a&m they were up 35 to 14 in the first half and lost, lost 73 to 69. Um, and Texas A&M was without both Henry Coleman and Tyrese Radford. So like that would have been a win that's going to age well and would have stayed Q1 and to, to get a shorthanded A&M team that you had on the ropes and not be able to put them away. Uh, I'd say it's pretty disappointing for Iowa state. Yeah, I'll go. I trust them to figure it out just because, TJ is such a good coach. Like I just and, can't. Like, and they get DePaul next, so yeah, they still have a bounce, a bounce back coming. <laughs> free confidence. I, mean, yeah. I don't know, man. Watch out! If it's at DePaul, you're gonna have to walk into a stadium filled with 900 people, so you might crumble. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, oh man, I'm I'm gonna take a, the the obvious. I I would say obvious, but more more obvious choice of the week, Arkansas, just because they're it's about to get bad. Like unless they can prove me prove something to me against Duke, they're about to have th- four losses. Yeah. Right. That's rough. Uh, that's rough. Now granted, I don't think UNC and Duke are bad losses by any means, but UNCG 
obviously an absolutely horrible, horrible loss. And then after watching what happened to Memphis against Villanova, like you you should have been in that game at least. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they just – Musselman's just got too, too many guys, and he's got to figure it out. Like we've talked about Hubert having the issue of having a lot of dudes that can play. Musselman's got that amplified by like 10 because he picked so many dudes up in the portal. So it's right. going to be interesting to figure it out um, to see how he works it. But, yeah, I mean, I think they'll be fine, but I'm definitely a little worried about Arkansas. We're 50% mm-hmm. to the panic button. <laughs> yeah, a team that I would also say I'm about 50% at the panic button with also was in Atlanta's is Michigan. You just hate to see, like, a, a crumble of a team. They, they were so fun to watch when they were, like, blowing the doors off of St. John's and they're getting out in transition and they're hitting shots. And their showing in Atlantis was just so bad. They couldn't close against Memphis. And then they, I think they barely snuck by Stanford and then got handled by Texas Tech. Like the vibes are really high after that St. John's win, but it's sort of all been downhill since losing at home to Long Beach State in a game you gave up 94 points to the beach. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate because I think Doug really is so special. Um so it sucks to see, especially when they when Long Beach goes out and gets like drugged by Illinois State on a Monday. I mean, it's it's not good looks. Uh, obviously, you could. I would say someone for my last pick like Syracuse, but that field was just brutal. So I'm not going to take mm-hmm. it out on Syracuse. I still think they're good. Um, my my second answer to this is actually a team that's five and one, but after this week when they split and went one and one, I was like, I'm not so sure. And that's Virginia. You score 41 points on Wisconsin. That's bad. And then you play a Westford, you play a West Virginia team that is going through like the most turmoil ever this year. And you edge them out in the last seconds of the game. Their offense is abysmal still. They gave up and they gave up 17 <laughs> points to Quinn Slazinski. Dude, it's Quinn Sl- bad. Like Quinn Slazinski, it's his third school. He like couldn't get on the court at Iona the last two years, and he just gave Virginia buckets, and that's supposed to be the best defense in the, the ACC. Gosh, man. Like they didn't have Kirk Creasa. Like that this this Virginia roster is terrible. They played seven guys. They started a guy named Ofri Nave, who I've never heard of. Like <laughs> Shout out Ofri, man. I'm sure you're a hooper. Uh, but like, I mean, goodness, listen, man. like, that's what I'm saying is you had all the hugging stuff happen. So there's that. You go through that situation. So that causes you to lose all the pieces that were supposed to make you like a top 15 team this year. Everything's completely different. I mean, dude, 56 to 54. And then to Ugly. score 41 against Wisconsin is criminal. Like, I'm not – Wisconsin's not like a terrible team or anything, but, dog, 41 points. I mean, it, it gave me flashbacks to NC State Virginia Tech from a few years back. <laughs> God almighty. I mean, no, I, that this game literally made me sit back and think, like, will Virginia even finish top five in the ACC? 
you think Bennett gives them a high floor, but they don't have hoopers, man. They don't got they don't have any guys who <laughs> can <don't>. score. <laughs> it's literally also, my, my guy Ofri Nave was was getting buckets in FIBA uh, this past year. Eleven points, seven boards, one point four assists. Uh, I'm sorry for disrespecting your game, but I had not heard of you until just now. Ofri, <laughs> hey, that's that might be that might be the new guy. That might be the new guy for real. Oh, but yeah, it's God, man, it's it's interesting. Things are interesting in Virginia, but yeah, I mean. Obviously, this is a little bit longer of an episode, but I feel like that's kind of a necessity when you just get done with like the, I would say, third biggest week in basketball behind obviously all the March Madness weeks and conference tournaments. Um, Yeah, dude, I mean, it was it was loaded. So like any rapid fire, last minute thoughts, takeaways, anything. Purdue, best team in the country, Arizona, close second. Uh, those are the biggest things where it's like, oh, in Connecticut, uh, Purdue, Air, Purdue, Arizona, Connecticut. Um, I'd say Marquette's right there too. Not yeah, Marquette. I say those top three are like ter- terrifying. Mar- Marquette's not close behind. Um, I'm trying to think if I have any hot takes of like teams that are bad. I think Virgi- like no, nah, we just trash Virginia. You know what minutes, teams so really I'll, I'll bad? Be done with that that team that uh took Duke to the wire for 28 minutes. <laughs> Screaming Eagles, baby! Second year in D one. Shout out! Shout out to my Screaming Eagles, dude. That was so fun to watch for like ten minutes. <laughs> it got to halftime and Duke was losing, and I literally tweeted, "There's no way they don't win this game by twenty, and they won by 18. Maybe they're frauds. Maybe they are. People are saying, but no, that's all I got. Um, yeah, I don't really think we pretty much covered. We pretty much covered everything. I mean, I, I you can call this a hot take if you want. Houston, best team in the Big 12, I think. I'd take them over Kansas just off watching Kansas. They can't shoot. Like, they, they simply cannot shoot. The only reason they beat Kentucky is because Dewan Harris decided for one game in his collegiate career he was going to become a sharpshooter. So, very, very interesting. Um, another hot take would be, I think the SEC might be mid this year. Um, Kentucky and Tennessee are good, but like Alabama got clapped by Ohio State. Um, Arkansas looks rough. I mean, they're mm-hmm. still going to both be tournament teams, but like you look at how good the SEC was last year. I don't know if it's going to be the same. Um, hot take I just said, Virginia, to me, is definitely not finishing top five in the ACC. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting. If this is how hectic the whole year is going to be, I am truthfully excited to just buckle in and sit down and watch all these games. Um, yeah, so with you. that's all I got. Um, y'all know Pot is the Roof on Twitter. Follow us, man. Hit us with the follows. Follow our personal accounts. We tweet about UNC sports, random things here and there. And it's a big one coming up Tuesday, man. ACC, SEC challenge. Don't just tap into UNC's game. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you probably will. But tap into the whole challenge because with how college basketballs went this year, there's going to be some insane stuff going on. Um, Yeah, and this is an extra special week for you guys because we're going to be coming back for a second time to do a recap of the Tennessee game 
I know you guys are probably freaking out because you get to see our faces twice in one week for the first time. But we're, we're trying to give you the precursor because once conference play ramps up, you're going to be seeing us twice in a lot of weeks. So get <laughs> used to it. But um, as always, man, we appreciate y'all for listening. Make sure you hit the subscribe button, like, comment, follow the Field of 68 on Twitter, follow the Pod is the Roof on Twitter, follow us, Jacob Carabatis, and at Riley underscore Davis 3 on Twitter. Enjoy hoops, enjoy the heels, enjoy your week, be safe, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.